Three, two, one. Welcome back to the Bushnell Project. John Bushnell here, continuing our study of Genesis and wanting to continue to encourage all of you to be in God's Word and and to be seeking God's wisdom, to be people of prayer and to be salt and light, right? So we're in Genesis 28, and we're starting the move transition from, we've already gone from Abraham to Isaac, and now from Isaac to Jacob, and the blessings being passed on to Jacob, and, and we're going to have some of that even more realized here in this part of it. Uh, Jacob's twin brother Esau has once again taken matters into his own hands, trying to make things right, a but in a sort of in-your-face way by marrying his um, father's half-brother's daughter's uh, daughter. So anyway, but we're going to start here in verse 10 of chapter 28, and we get into... Jacob's dream, this first dream that he's going to have. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night. Now, this is a long journey to get up to his uncle, uh, 500 and some miles. And uh, I think we talked about this back in the day when when Isaac, when Abraham's servant made the journey to get Isaac's wife, Rebekah. Right? So that's where Jacob is headed to, his mom's hometown. And he came to a certain place, stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. Verse 12, and he dreamed and behold, there was a ladder. Now this ladder could be a type of staircase. All right, but we'll go with ladder. That's how the ESV is translating it. Set up on the earth and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. So they were going up and down these stairs. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land of which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed." Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar, and poured oil on the top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at at the first. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and I will and I and will keep me in the way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I can come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God, and this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a, a full tenth to you. And that's the end of chapter 28. So a couple of things. One, <clears throat> to help us really understand what's going on here, is Jacob's having this dream at the beginning of this long journey. And he's in the place, which is now Israel. Uh, and he has this, this dream, this vision. Now, God is not up in heaven. The angels are, uh, are going up and down. 
But really, the better way to translate this would be that God is standing beside him. So God is not at the top of this ladder in heaven. He is next to Jacob. Or as Jacob says later, with he is with me. He is in this place. He is on earth. And of course, we know that God's intent is not for men to reach heaven by ladders or towers. Otherwise, he would have permitted the Tower of Babel. But that he is making a way for us to go to heaven. And that ladder is Jesus Christ. And through Jacob, we will get the Messiah, right? So this is a part of God's plan. And Jacob's slow to catch on. Jacob is also slow to really accept God as his Lord. He is not accepting God as his Lord. He's making a vow here that if God does actually come through with all this, then he will make an altar here for God. So he's got a little bit of a rebellious spirit himself, and he's going to be wrestling a lot with God in the, in, in, in the essence of, well, I'm in charge versus you're in charge, but if you keep your promises, then maybe I will fully surrender. He does eventually fully surrender. We see that when he wrestles with God and God dislocates his hip. So that'll come later on. But for now, as we move forward, it's just understanding God has a clear vision for what he's going to do. Jacob is okay with the vision as long as he kind of gets his way. So if I have bread to eat and nice clothes to wear and I get to come back to my dad's land, to Isaac and Rebekah, peaceably, knowing that Esau wants to kill him, then I will believe you, God, and I will make you my God. So he's creating his own part of the vision that he wants added to it. And if that works out, great. So here's the question for us. Aren't we a lot like Jacob? Aren't we always trying to manipulate what we are thinking might be God's will for our lives? And this is God's vision for us, but hey, let's tweak it this way. Or God's, you know, even in this, it says, and he gave it, he was going to give a tenth, right? So, all right, this is the second time a tenth is brought up. Abraham gave the priest Melchizedek 10% of all his spoils from the rescue mission, right? So what's that about? Well, I'm not going to give 10. I'm going to, I'll give 5%. Or if I get, if you give me this much, then I'll give, then I'll start to give 10%. We do that. Well, God, if you, if you, if you give me a, a wife, then I'll do this. I'll stop. Whatever. So are we going to stop if God gives? Are we going to change the way we're doing things because of something God gives us? Because God owes us? Wow, we're so much like Jacob, aren't we? Jacob here in the story. So I want to encourage us to really be at a place where you're fully surrendered to God's will. That we're pressing into the reality of who God is. We live in a we live in crazy times, especially as Americans, because we are living so well as compared to the other, I don't know how many, six billion people on the planet, right? That we are a very small part of that population. I don't know, the world population is seven or eight billion, and we're somewhere around, I think, less than 400 million. So we're not a big part of the population, but we sure do consume a lot. We have a lot. We are very blessed in the area of material and in, in, in materialism. We can have what we want practically delivered to our front front steps in some places in this country, in the big cities, in 30 minutes or an hour. 
food, we have plenty of food in our fridges and our pantries. And if we start to run low, we can go to grocery store real easy. We have climate control like kings have never had in the past. Even our chariots are climate controlled. They can get around really quick. And if that's not quick enough, we can get a chariot that flies. So we are pretty well off. And and we want to negotiate with God on what we think we ought to get next. So I want to encourage us. We really need to go to God for God for God's vision for our lives. And if we're married for our us as a husband and wife, and if we have children as a family, what is God's vision for us? And as long as those children are living in your home, what is that vision and how do you propel them uh, into what God has for them? How do you set them up to win in in going after and obeying God and those kind of things? I think that matters. Just saying, I think that matters. God bless you guys. This is getting long. I'll talk to you soon.